0: You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse-by-verse verse through the Word of God. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now.
1: The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and, and he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel. What? Is this a test? I love it. The Lord is testing them. You say you want to follow me, you say you want to be faithful, prove it!
0: In the book of Judges, God makes it clear that the Gentile countries were there to test Israel, to see if they would continue to follow Him or go and serve other gods. Pastor Dave tells us that in this story, they broke away from God. This is a warning to us as well. If we aren't careful, our choices will lead us away from God. Now let's turn to the second chapter of Judges and join Pastor Dave with today's edition of Cape Watch Radio. Let
1: me make a point. Could God bring that phone, pick it up, and say, I have a job for them? Absolutely, God could. Absolutely, my God can. Doesn't work that way all the time, however. Doesn't work that way all the time. You should be surprised at how many people think, well, God's going to do everything now. I don't have to do anything. God's going to do it all. But one thing you can be sure of, God is forever finished judging the Christian, our judgment is done. All punishment that you or I deserved was put upon Jesus Christ on Calvary, on the cross. Yet, we punish ourselves by settling for less than what God has for us. And God will allow us to experience the bitter harvest of our choices. He will allow us to experience the bitter harvest of our choices. Sometimes, you know, you want something so bad. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to have it. You just have to have it. You pray and you pray and you pray. And finally, man, you know that you're really not supposed to have it, but you want it so bad. God says, have at it. That's what's happening here. You want these guys as neighbors? You want these guys as neighbors? They're yours. You can have them. We often wish that God would work and do the Christian human. I wish God would automatically make me mature in Christianity. I wish I would wake up one day and go, I'm a mature Christian. And everything would be done. I wouldn't have to worry about anything else. Sometimes God grants such a miraculous deliverance, we praise him for it. He does do that sometimes. You probably know the person who accepted the Lord and changed completely and everything else faded away. They never struggled with anything the rest of their Christianity. I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people. But commonly, God likes to partner with you. God likes to partner with you in the process of our growth. And it's very important to God because it shows our heart where his heart is. And we truly grow close to God because of it. So we get to verse 4. I can't believe we're only in verse 4. So it was then the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of the place Bochim. And they sacrificed there to the Lord. When the people heard this, they wept. Bochim in Hebrew means weeping. But they were weeping because of the consequences, not because they disobeyed God. See, real repentance leads to change. Real repentance leads to change. We could be sorrowful, But it's a changed life that you experience real repentance. You can weep outwardly and show repentance without ever weeping inwardly. This is why the Lord challenges us in Joel. In Joel 2.13, what does the Lord say? So rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in kindness. What he means by that is every time somebody was disgusted with something in the old days, they used to rip their clothes. They used to rip their garment. It was a show of disgust. It was a show of utter contempt. The Lord's saying, don't rip your clothes. Rip your heart open. Let it sink in inwardly and show me. That's an outward motion. emotion. Ah, I'm so mad. Really? Well, change your life. It's changed. They make a sacrifice with the Lord, which is good. But it's not an act of repentance because there's no godly sorrow connected to it. Did this all take place in front of Joshua? Was Joshua too old to do anything about it? We read Joshua's death at the end of the book of Joshua. And let's look at verse 7 through 10. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnahers in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. We read all that. That was at the end of Joshua. So is he rehashing all that now to tell us the one thing we need to look at is that as long as Joshua was alive, they served the Lord. When he died, all the elders that were raised up with Joshua, they served the Lord. But then they're all dead. And it says in verse 10, And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. And here comes the problem. And here the cycle begins. We talked about this at length. It was the fault of the fathers and the mothers who were raising their children, not to teach them about God's great work. It was the fault of them. Unfortunately, the new generation had no personal relationship with God. They had no personal awareness of his power. God was someone that their parents related to and who did things for their parents' generation. And none of that was transferred down. You see a lot of that happening today, folks. A lot of it is happening today and it's scary. It really is scary what's happening to the younger generation, this new generation coming up with what they hear. See, unfortunately... True Christianity is not biologically transmitted because you are a Christian you can 't biologically transfer that to your children. It must be caught by each generation. I love that Christianity is taught and caught it's taught and caught by the new generation having their own personal relationship with God and seeing his works on their behalf. So this whole new generation rises up, and then we have a problem. You can see that at the beginning in verse eleven. Look at verse eleven. The cycle begins, and now, from verse 11 through verse 23, it's almost like we have another outline to the book of Judges. It's almost like we have another outline of what's going on. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Wow. Israel begins to serve other gods. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. I think this is interesting, and I really dwelt on this for a minute. Bear with me here. It's interesting When we think we're doing something in private, when we think that we're all alone and nobody's around, you know, nobody's looking over our shoulder, we're on the internet doing our thing, we're doing this thing and we're doing that thing, you know, we're talking to this person or that person or or viewing these pictures or that people's pictures or we're doing all this stuff, nobody knows. Evil in sight of the Lord. I believe in my heart that the definition of integrity should be that what you do when no one's looking. That what you do when no one's watching you. I believe that should be the definition of integrity. What do you do when no one's looking? Clearly, right there, if you look at the words, it said, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord saw their evilness. The Lord saw all their evilness. Well, our God is all-knowing. He's all knowledgeable. He's all powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And when we're doing those type of things, God sees. And the biggest thing we say to ourselves is, who would know? Who would know? Yeah, God knows. God sees. They were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They served the Baals, which are gods of weather. They served Ashtoreth, which is a goddess of fertility. They served the Baals. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. Oh my. Thou shall have no other gods before me. There should be no craven images. They should not worship those things. This is terrible. They forsook the Lord. What does that mean? That means they turned their back on God. They turned their back on God. They forgot all that the Lord had done for them. It was like they were rewriting history and they were leaving God out of that. And folks, I don't know if you know this, but you should. The textbooks for today have rewritten history. History has been rewritten to form to the liberal place. History books have been rewritten, Folks. And it's a sad thing when you see how terrible these books have been written. They're leaving out anything that has to do with Christianity, anything that has to do with godliness, anything that has to do with the way the country was founded. They're changing the history books. This is something that Hitler and Mussolini did. Hitler and Mussolini changed the history of their countries. The history books are being changed. They're leaving out stuff. This is a scary place to be. This is a scary place to be on a day like today. On a day like today, it's an emotional day for me. My father was in World War II. I lost my dad six years ago. It's an emotional day for me because I always called him on this day, and I've always talked to him and always wished him a, a happy Veterans Day. So it was an emotional day for me. But on a day like today, when we celebrate the service of people who have given everything they have for our country, not only their death, but their entire lives and people who are still alive and people who are serving today, those people, those men and women who helped to build and protect this nation. But revisionists want to change all that. They want to change those things. They don't want us to remember those things. And you know the old adage, if you don't remember history, it's proven that it's supposed to repeat itself if you don't remember it. There are those groups right now who say that the Holocaust never happened. Well, I wish my father was alive today because he was with one of Patton's uh, uh, groups when they liberated a concentration camp. You can't tell him that didn't happen. It didn't exist. But see, there's a group that says it didn't exist. This is scary to me, and I I don't mean to harp on this, but everybody, they want to debunk history. They want to deny it every took place or they want to change the things that happen. That's what's going on. They get their agenda across. Israel forsook the Lord. They forgot all that God had accomplished. They forgot all of Joshua's addresses. Remember those great Joshua 23 and 24 that we studied where Joshua addressed the nation and told them? They forgot even their promise. Remember, they said, Joshua said, Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And remember, all Israel yelled, we will serve the Lord. What did Joshua say? You can't, because he's holy, and he's going to hold you to it. No, 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 Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. He failed to learn from what God had already done. We too can learn from the thing that God has accomplished in our own lives. Do you realize how exciting it is for me to hear what God is doing in your life? Do you realize how exciting it is for me to know that God is working mightily in your life and the things you will tell us that God has done in your life just over the last 12 months, let alone since you become a Christian. I know he's done marvelous work since then. But it's so exciting when those things are told. And because of this, they went into the battle, they were beaten. The Lord wasn't with them. And this was all predicted by Moses in Deuteronomy 28. The cycle began. The cycle began. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Aseris. And the anger of the Lord was hot against them. So he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around. So that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. As the Lord had said. As the Lord had sworn to them. And they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless... The Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with the other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked and obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. Oh my. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who had oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And I love the word stubborn here because it's the old word stiff-necked. Remember, Stephen is railing against Sanhedrin. He's making this great place, and he's going through the litany of all that God had done for the nation of Israel. And he's talking about the fathers not following this. And when he says, and you stiff-necked people, that's when they got crazy and they stoned him. He called them stiff-necked. That's the same word being used here. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel. What? Is this a test? I love it. The Lord is testing them. You say you want to follow me. You say you want to be faithful. Prove it. You say you've repented? Prove it. Whether they will keep my ways of the Lord and to walk in them as their fathers did or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. The cycle begins. Israel would forsake the Lord. They would turn to foreign gods. They would sin against God. God's anger would come against them. They would be slaves to another nation again. They would be in bondage. Next thing you know, they'd be crying and weeping for deliverance. Oh, God, save us. Oh, God, please save us. Our Lord, who was merciful, slow to anger and gracious, would send in a deliverer, would send in a judge to help them. He would hear their cry, and have compassion on them. He would send a deliverer and set them free. They would be free for a while. and This judge would be with them. And then the judge would die. And guess what? Start all over again. They would forsake the Lord. They would go and bow down. Israel refused to learn from their mistakes. They refused to learn. So God gave them the worst punishment you could think of. He allowed it all to happen. Sometimes you think you're receiving the worst punishment that God can give you. And when he allows those things to happen, oh my, we must guard constantly against setting our hearts on sinful things. We must not let sin into our lives. It creeps so in. That's why it says in Hebrews 12, the sin that so easily ensnares us, that so easily besets us, it says in some translations, it's sin that sneaks in. It doesn't look like sin, but it is. It just kind of sneaks into our life. It's harmless. There's nothing to it. What's wrong with that? But it sneaks into our lives. And all of a sudden, our hearts start getting far from God. We start giving up fellowship. We start giving up reading the Word of God. We give up praying. We don't come to church as often as we used to because you know what? We have other things now that occupy our mind. It could be a relationship, it could be a job. It could be all sorts of things, a hobby, all these kind of things that are good in and of themselves. But when they start pulling you away from God, red flags should go off and alarms should be set off in your heads. Something's wrong. What's happening here? Even ministry, even ministry. When you put your whole heart in the ministry and forget the Lord and forget everything else about it, there's a danger there. There's a danger there. God lets us have it in two ways. He lets us have it. He lets us happen it to us. And he lets us have it right between the eyes. He lets us have it. It brings sin, bondage, and pain into our lives. And then we start questioning God. God, why did you allow this into my life? God says, wait a minute, I didn't. You chose that. You chose to bring that into your life we hear that cry. Oh, that cry that haunts me. That cry haunts me. The cry. Why have you done this? Why have you done this? I won't break my covenant with you. I won't break my covenant with you. Why have you done this? Why have you broken your covenant with me? Oh, what a cry. That sends chills up my spine to hear God's voice. Why? Adam, Adam, where are you? That cry, put our name there. Dave, Dave, where are you? We used to be in every morning for coffee. We used to pray. We used to talk. Where are you? Why aren't you around anymore? Don't let that
0: happen to you.
1: Don't let that happen to any of us. If you start to slide, pick up the phone and call one of us. Tell us, you know, I'm in a hard way. I'm sliding here and I need your help. I need prayer. Brothers and sisters, come along by brothers and sisters. We link arms and we stand strong against the evil ways of the devil. We come against this and we come back to God. You've heard me say this before. When you get in those ways, the very first thing you're going to come out is coming here for fellowship. We're going to cut that right out. We're going to look at this cycle of disobedience now as we go through the rest of these chapters in Judges. It's God going to raise up men and one woman? The cycle of disobedience, discipline, despair, and deliverance. We can see it today as God's people turn away from his word and go their own way. We can't just study this book as the thing of history. We've got to learn something from it. We've got to take what we learn and apply it to our lives. I don't want to be like this. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like this. If you're in this cycle right now, we can break it. It can be broken. You need to turn back, repent truly to God. Have godly sorrow, which would lead you into repentance, and get right with him and follow him. This book is about people today. This book is about people today. We know people. You know people like this. Can I understand what's wrong with them? This is where we're going to end, finally, in Psalm 106. In Psalm 106, the psalmist reviewed the periods of the judges in verses 40 through 46. He's reviewing here the time of the judges. 106, beginning in verse 40. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to his multitude of his mercies. He also made them to be pitied By all those who carried them away captive. And we'll leave you with this prayer, this prayer that might be in our lives today. Verse 47: Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among it says the Gentiles, but I'm gonna say, gather us from among the world to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let all her people say
0: Amen Although our time is coming to a close for the day you don't have to stop studying God's word Feel free to read ahead in the book of Judges and find more teachings from this series online at capewatchradio.com All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone that website again is capewatchradio.com. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, just send an email with today's date to info at or give us a call at 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray for you as you journey through this life with Jesus, so please let us know how we can do that. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Cape Watch Radio, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and child care is available for both services. Give us a call for more information at 609-884-5821. That brings us to the end of our program today. Thanks for tuning in to this verse-by-verse study in Judges. And join us again here on Cape Watch Radio.